Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome to this week's episode of Married with Movies. I'm one of your hosts, Samantha Mullet. Sitting next to me on the couch is your other host, my beautiful husband, Chris Mullet. Now I'm ready. Thank I'm you. Such an asshole. <laughs> I'm just gonna do this the entire time now. <laughs> just gonna I'm just gonna move my seat in weird ways so you can hear. No, because the... then you're gonna impact the listener's audio experience beyond your normal voice. Yeah, I don't have a comeback for that because you're absolutely right. I yeah. say it all the time. Yeah. I hate listening to myself, so I've never listened to an episode of this podcast. That's true. You've never, you've never listened to this show. I mean, I've listened. I don't listen to the show this much either. Like that's, I, that's nice. Great. Thanks. Well, well, I'm experiencing. I have it now. You mean I want to? You mean I want to relive a conversation with you? <laughs> <laughs> it is December 6, twenty twenty-two. If you're new here, we're married somehow, and we have a lot of movies. Somehow. Well, I know how. I love movies, and I buy yeah. them, and I like watching them. Yeah. That part makes sense. Somehow, we're still how married we're with still the movies. Married. I'll never know. Me neither. As Look, we approach 10 years together. We could change that anytime. 10 years married. We've been a lot longer together. I know. It'll be 16 years we've been together. Yeah. I've got a lot of gray God, hair. You figure, if, had I just... Ugh. What? Had you just what? With the right lawyer? I could have been out by now. Let's be real. <laughs> In an equation where it's your lawyer versus my lawyer, we know... I don't even need a lawyer. We know who's going to win. Yeah, in your DNA. Hashtag Kanye! We're not going there, that's all I'm saying. It's bad enough that next week's episode will either begin or end with a Kanye song. <laughs> it's bad enough. Uh, so yeah, so we've had a... Uh, eventful past week we spent the weekend in winter haven florida what's in winter haven florida well a couple cool stores but also <laughs> legoland. legoland we went to legoland um kind of trying to make it a tradition that um a week or two after jillian's birthday you know kind of in like the the doldrums of early december when there's not a lot going on as, as the holidays are approaching. Right before the busyness of the right holidays. Right after the busyness of, of Thanksgiving. We take her to you know, some kind of like birthday experience. Last year was uh, Magic Kingdom. This year we went to Legoland for the first time. We spent the night, um, had a two days there, and it was delightful. We all had a wonderful time. Legoland is... So you made us stay in that hojo. I'm going to get to the Hojos in a second. <laughs> Legoland kind of fucked. It was, it was really but, cool. 
It was. It, it was had great. a lot of good family rides um, that all had a bit of a spin or a twist on them, so they didn't seem like lame retreads. Like, if it was like a water ride, um, at least had like a, an element where like you got the spray stuff. There was like a Toy Story ride, but it wasn't like shooting a gun. It was like all with your hands. Um, it, it had a lot of really. It had a uh, like a Soren style ride, but it was a little bit rockier, bumpier than just like. You know, experiencing the sights and sounds and smells. They did some of the rides that we enjoy most, and they themed it really well. And and were and did it in a way where our six year old could do everything. With or, us. Yeah, she she ba- there was maybe two things she couldn't do. She was she was just too short. There's just one. It was just that stupid Mia thing, and it no, was broken half the time. Right, right. Well, th- I think there was something else that she wasn't able to do. Maybe that wasn't. No, working either. I think she wasn't going to be able to do one of those two slides that were closed at the water maybe, park. Maybe, yeah. But yeah, there was but a water park there's there There's a water well. park there. We did the Peppa right. Pig park as well. We did three parks. In two all, days. All small enough. There was no wait for anything. Yeah. All the staff was really nice. The food was really good. It was, they were just, it was just a really great family experience. Yeah. Especially from like a pair who, when we were in college, at least, we went to the theme parks all the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. Before we lived in in the Orlando, backyard. theme park capital Florida, we went very frequently. Um, and it was just, yeah, it, super enjoyable. And Jillian is still trying to recover from how tired she, she oh, is. Oh, so am I. Uh, so, over the span of two days... <laughs> Um, I did something to my left foot. Just you broke from your foot. I just I didn't prepare because we knew we were doing a bunch of water stuff, so I just wore sandals like an idiot. So I was in a, a severe pain in my ankle and my left foot, basically up until like right now. Like it's still sore, but like it's definitely like healing. I almost drowned in the Legoland Lazy River. <laughs> I thought you weren't gonna talk about I it. I'm gonna talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> There was a lazy, most of the water park was like closed. But you could do the lazy river. I'm so glad you find my almost demise to be so funny. I, I mean, if you're not aware, I don't know how to swim, uh, but a lazy river should be fine, right? They right. have these, they have these inner tubes. Well, I'm like, well, I can just sit wait, in one of these. But let's talk about let's let's just. I don't want to delve that fact, deep into it. Fact find for a second here. How tall are you? Fact. What did you say? Fact find. Fact find. You're how tall? I'm six one. You're six foot I'm one it. inch. Okay. The Lazy River All was right. like two feet tall. Three feet. It was three, three feet. I struggled to get into the raft that I had. The 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 uh, the, the lifesaver, the inner tube, whatever the you inner fucking tube. call it. The inner mm-hmm, tube. Mm-hmm. And when I finally did, I was too big for it, so it no, tipped no, over. No, no, no. You did not properly situate yourself in the inner Correct. tube. And so I you went tipped under, it over. And I had like a f- couple second panic where I was like, I'm underwater. I'm underneath this fucking tube thing. I don't know where I'm at. Oh, By my the way, hand. Jillian and I were, were also like down the oh, river. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were nowhere near we me. We were nowhere near. Because we got, we, we were in there. I'm fine in the water. We were just floating along. Yeah. I'm trying to make sure she doesn't slide out. Yeah. Um, and I realized, oh, my hand is at the surface. I no, just no. push myself up. No, you were on the floor. Your hands were on the floor of yeah. the lazy room. And I push myself up, and I, I come to the surface with and it's just <laughs> all this water and chlorine, all this other shit. And there's a lifeguard right there that's like, you all right? 
And I'm like, yep, just my ego, just my pride. Appreciate it. Thanks. Because, because let's say that again. Wait, you're, you're six foot, one inch, and you were in a lazy river that was three feet tall. But I was completely underwater, and I didn't know what to do. You stand up. I couldn't, my feet were like above my fucking head. Because I did like a fucking backflip off the fucking thing. <laughs> so glad you think this is also fucking funny. I mean, come on. And then the rest of the time, we're just like, oh, how'd your husband die? Oh, he drowned. Oh my gosh, did you guys, did he get like bit by a shark or something? No, it was in like the Legoland Lazy River. And then to cap it off, you picked the worst goddamn hotel to stay at. I didn't pick that hotel. I, I, was I like, had never stayed at a Hojo before. There is a, a Quality Inn, like, right by the... We couldn't say uh, one of the Legoland hotels, which is literally, like, right at the entrance because they were too expensive. But... And we knew we were going to be in them that much. So, like, there's a Quality Inn that's equally right. as close. But we had you know, a really bad experience at the Quality Inn in Mount Dora. I didn't want to chance it. So, instead, you're like, oh, at the Howard Johnson. It's it's Wyndham. I've heard that's nice. So sure. So, book it, and it is just a, a dingy, shitty hotel... That I have stayed at over many a moon in did, my life. You did not volunteer that information that you had stayed at Hojo's. I said I never stayed. No, no, I've never stayed at Hojo's either. I've oh. stayed at plenty of shitty hotels. Rich, anytime Rich and I would go to like a wrestling show back in college, we'd find a twenty, thirty dollar fucking shitty motel. Yeah, except this was one hundred and thirty dollars. Exactly. I thought but it was that it in would Winter be Haven, nicer. And it just there was no elevator, and everything just felt old and smelly um and everyone in the hallway and in, in the adjacent rooms make so much goddamn noise and they had a pancake machine in the in the, in the <laughs> lobby that like didn't cook the pancakes properly there was a community church that had their weekly meeting in their meeting space it was wild shit we got in the room and the uh, the entire power strip and the tv and the refrigerator and everything was just off um but we lived. We survived. Uh, I know it sounds like bougie now, but like that's... No, I'm, I make good money, and I stay in finer, nicer places, so we should do the same thing when we are going on family vacation. Right, right. We, we were like, oh, this is already costing us a lot of money. Let's yeah. like... Let's do a little bit less of a hotel. Yeah, but for another, we're not going to make that mistake again. Yeah, for again. another 50 bucks, we could have stayed at like yeah. the Marriott and been like sure. comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so that's basically it. I don't think... We have watched or done anything else. I do realize, like, it's Os- like Oscar season is here. Like, it is December. I do know the Banshees of Inisherin will be hitting HBO Max soon. I need to look at the list. Of course, <sighs> everything, everything all at once we're going to be watching in January for the show. Um, Top Gun Maverick will be hitting soon, some other ones. But I mean, to start asking you what movies you do and do not want to see. So if I have the ability to go after work to some things, I mean, to start... Doing that because I don't know when they're going to be released uh, via home stuff like Tar and the Fablemans and, and other things. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. So we'll we'll discuss that off the air. But for now, on air, let's discuss the movie for today, which was uh, picked from God. I don't even know their fucking gimmicks anymore. How did we How did we come about to this? This was our, our can't pick yep our can't pick list. So every time we nominate a movie, uh, the one that's not selected goes on a list that we have to wait until we randomly draw. Until now, when we do a random uh, number generator to pick the movies. To lower that list, this week's movie, of course, right in time for the holiday season, is seven. Um, I read the package, correct? You sure do. Okay, allow me to begin. 
now in high def, a nerve-jangling thriller with a gut-wrenching climax, says Peter Travers, Rolling Stone magazine. Clarify Rolling Stone magazine. I don't understand that. Sometimes it's just Rolling Stone, sometimes it's Rolling Stone magazine. It depends on how old the thing is. Mm. Gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, pride, lust, envy. Two cops, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, track a brilliant and elusive killer who orchestrates a string of horrific murders, each kill targeting a practitioner of one of the seven deadly sins. What? Okay. Keep going. You can't react to that. Just fucking sit there. Okay, I'm sitting here. live your life without being a nuisance. It's impossible. Gwyneth Paltrow also stars in this acclaimed thriller set in a dour, drizzly city sick with pain and blight. David Fincher, Fight Club, Zodiac, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, guides the action, physical, mental, and spiritual with a sure understanding of what terrifies us, right up to a stunning denouement that will rip the scar tissue off the most hardened soul. Good lord. Is this Criterion, or is this just a regular fucking uh, Mm -hmm. package? That's a big old zero in our new uh, challenge. Yes, in our new challenge, our first movie each. Which means I'm up on nothing, so... Mm-hmm. Suck it. What episode number is this? 421, I believe. 421, so this is going to be from 420. Okay. So, um, I nominated this many moons ago, I'm sure. Oh, I think it was me. If I had to guess. Because um, we've, we've hit Fincher pretty hard at this point. We've done Social Network. We've done Gone Girl. We've done this. We've done... Um, I feel like I'm missing one. You're the Fincher expert, not me. We haven't done that, we haven't done that. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. I felt like we, were, we went on, definitely went on a little streak there. Um, I think also just because I've rewatched Zodiac like four times in the past like year. Yeah. Because um, it's just on constantly. Um, this movie's great. This movie's awesome. I did, when did you first see this movie? With you, I think. Okay, yeah. So I didn't see it until definitely college. Um, this was definitely... Like one of my earliest DVD purchases that was like, everyone talks about this movie and I like this director now, so I need to get on board with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing. I mean, this this at the end of the day is probably one of the most influential movies of the past thirty years that there's been because. Think of that entire sort of neo-noir, dark, yes, gritty thriller genre that came mm-hmm. that that took you know the serial killer approach and just yeah thematically I think it really set set the stage the twist. Um, it's the greatest twist in movie history. In my opinion, I think this is the greatest swerve of all time. Um, it's I, I don't see how it's not like the fact that the ending is so such a gut punch, and it's so I mean perfect. The, the crescendo is great. That both stars of the movie were like, we won't do this movie unless this unless stays. you right. If you change it, we're, we're out. out. Right, like, like, like there's there like this is like there's no happy ending here. It goes against the entire theme and it's the art point. of of everything you experience. 
Um, Absolutely, and 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 it's like one of the most mo- one of the most uh, quoted movies. Quoted endings, yeah, definitely. Quoted endings. I mean, it's just ever. the one. Which honestly, so it, I, I wrote it down, and I wanted to discuss it. So it's the worst acting in the movie by far. Like it, it doesn't fit with what is happening. Like it's almost ripe for parody immediately like the first time i saw it like i knew i knew the twist before i saw the movie the first time that gwyneth paltrow's heads in the box and kevin spacey you know killed her and brought that guy's in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um if you didn't if you're listening to this fucking podcast you didn't know that what the fuck are you doing um because it had been parodied the heads in the box we should have done that for uh for a generation show i have no idea what you're talking about um like the titanic ending no, that's not how that sketch works at all. Do you know comedy? Yes, I do. No, that's that's not the point of the sketch at all. The point of the sketch is that the thing that he's spoiled for is like the most obvious thing. So this doesn't qualify. Anyway, this is literally just for us. Um, but like SNL and like MTV Movie Awards and other things had like parodied it previously. When you first see it and you hear like Brad Pitt do like, What's in the box? It's just like, is he for real, you know? And I think it almost adds to the legendary status of it because I don't know how else he is supposed to play it besides just like this incredulously unrealistic way. Um, Yeah, I was really like trying to like focus in on that scene more than I ever have and a couple things stuck out to me um of course there's the the brilliant idea to flash Gwyneth Paltrow's face for like that 30 tenth of a second as mm-hmm. he's like debating what to do um but the fact that like they never show you the head in the first place that's the only time you get to see her face or her head in that moment is that little flash you don't see what has actually been done to her um, is, is, is so fucking great, but yeah, the, everything about this is just so different for its time and nothing that came after it feels as good or as fresh than this, like right down to like the fucking credits, like movies don't, didn't have like these stylized credits to music to put you in amazing to put you in the world and put you in the mindset of the killer you're trying they, to figure it yeah, out. They just immediately set the mood like you're immediately transported. You know what you're dealing with, you know like the level of authenticity behind this And it's funny killer. another like precursor so the credits are over this version of um, closer by Nine Inch Nails. Which now, who is the best? Um, who is the best film score in Hollywood? Is Trent Reznor, the lead singer of Nine Inch Nails. So, like, already kind of having your pulse on like the tones and the style. And now Fincher uses him constantly, like he did the the score for both Gone Girl and Social Network. Social Network is what he won the Oscar for. Um, it's just it's just fucking perfect. But also like. 
these movies happened, but they always felt kind of box office like or, or, or like big budget, or they were always colorful. Like this is just draped in rain, draped in shit. Oh my Can god! I my pen? Draped in darkness, draped in this dreary, dour, disgusting world that you have to like sit in for two hours, but it just fucking works. Like it, sh- it, it shouldn't work. But they also do an amazing job of giving, it, putting Brad Pitt, who at the time was like the sexiest man alive, like the biggest like burgeoning star in the world, and then Morgan Freeman, who I think the same this year, the same year as this. Or, like, the year before was fucking Shawshank. So he's just on, like, the heater of all heaters. He, I mean, and it's Morgan Freeman, like... Yeah, and then you also have Kevin Spacey, who was, like, the actor's actor. Even though he's a surprise, he's not even fucking built in it. Gwyneth Paltrow, who's three or four years away from winning her Oscar. Like, you have very famous people, like, just, in like, surrounded by this filth. And really good chemistry with each other. Oh, absolutely. It, the, the chemistry of everybody... It's not like you just threw famous people to throw famous people in it. Like, it works. You know? Like, oh, of course. Like, it, it works, and they play off of each other really well, and I, I like the juxtaposition of them with, like, this grit of the world. Yeah. Because it's very real. Like, that's, you know... A lot of people's interpretation of that's how the world is. Well, and also you have you know the the, the dichotomy of the two characters of um, uh, fucking um, Mills basically starting his life in this world and you know the struggles to adjust to it, and then on the flip side, Somerset ending his career and like coming down in this same world and trying to figure out like his place in it going forward mm-hmm. just makes it work when they're alone. It makes it work when they're butting heads to begin with. It works as their as they relationship friends. progresses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also love the, it's also underrated like what a good just like detective movie this is. Like there is some high level like procedural like police work in this movie, like like basically throughout the entire thing that now I think we kind of take for granted and that there's five or six of those on TV on a given night. Not that there wasn't back then, but back then it was very much like the movie of the week or like your Perry Mason or Columbo or yeah. Matlock type things. But like this was doing it on an, like, with like an R-rated twist um, in a very popular style especially for the time of serial killers where you figure you know the 80s and the 90s you still were coming out of you know everyone was still obsessed with zodiac and manson and son of sam and whoever and you still had at the time Dahmer and all these other fucking yeah. people and i think also they did a really good job of showing like the like thinking aspect that mm-hmm. goes into this into like the some of these serial killer mentalities and like being able to solve those crimes like you know, going to the library, having to do the research, having to oh, do the readings, and, and like figuring out like 
where he got his inspiration, like what his motivation is, like, like what to expect next. Like, you know, and a lot of the current day police dramas, police procedurals, it, you don't really get into that. It's kind of like, you know, you get a little bit of the background, but you don't really get into like this, like, He's leaving clues and doing that and doing this and, and having to figure it out and, like, you know, show that that education piece that, that yeah. you know, Morgan Freeman's character went through. Like, he kind of had an idea of it and he went and he delved deeper into it to kind of figure out, Everyone's... get in that mindset, which I think is really cool because you don't really see that too often anymore. No. Everyone's going to always point to the end of the movie or point to um, a couple other scenes that I'm going to get into because I think every fucking scene in this movie is damn near perfect. But I love the scene that you kind of referenced just now where it's Somerset going to the library and reading the books that he knows is being used as the inspiration while at the same time you see Mills in his new home struggling, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you find that Somerset is making a list for Mills because Mills is the one that's going to be working the case, so he is trying to help the guy. Which leads into Mills getting the fucking Cliff Notes version of the book, which is funny. Something you'd always count on for Fincher movies that I love, and I want to get into Fincher more here in a second, is that his movies are always surprisingly pretty funny um, for somebody that is so meticulous with his, uh, his framing and the, the, the copious amount of takes that he requires, everything else, like... There is always this, like, very underlying, like, fun spirit to a lot of his characters that feels very genuine and spontaneous. Like, a lot of what Brad Pitt does, like, the gung-ho, combative nature that he is, feels, like, off the cuff. And it feels like we're legitimately a fly in the wall to this police investigation. Same thing with, like, some of, like, Arlie, uh, Arlie Ermey's, you know, of course, cantankerous nature and, you know, the way that he responds to certain things is, like, mm-hmm. kind, of the, kind of the captain and stuff. Um, that shit just fucking works when it shouldn't, when we're watching this gluttonous, heaping man, you know, pulled off of a plate of spaghetti with all these bugs and... These, you know, disgusting, visceral descriptions of yep. things. Um, if this movie isn't a success, like, we're not talking about David Fincher today. Like, this was his second movie, first being Alien 3, which is, you know, you can say basically wasn't his movie. At, at, at the end of the day, he did his best, but was just largely taken away from him and, and it was produced into something that he didn't even feel proud of. But this, combined with the um, the script, um, that I always get confused with the guy from Scream who wrote this. This was 95, so Strushink was the year before. This was Andrew Kevin Walker, not Kevin William Richardson, whatever his fucking name is from Scream. Um, he... Like, the, the combination of the two was just perfect. And then, of course... He went on to do, basically be like a very famous script doctor and, and help with a lot of different projects over the, the next several years. But this movie gave like Fincher like the style. Like you watch a David Fincher movie, you can tell. You can just 
see it with the tint. You can see it with mm-hmm. um, the way that things are are set and focused. Like it, it's great to watch because, especially in this one, the trail of breadcrumbs that's left for you across the movie from even stuff that they're discovering as you discover them, like. Um, John Doe being there on the scene as like the cameraman yeah, and yeah. Um, there's another one later there's another one um, that I read through the IMDB that like he walks by one of the scenes at one point um, limping or something yes yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah mm-hmm. um, like that's just masterful work and it's great for re. This movie shouldn't be rewatchable. Like it, like right, right. It should be like a one and done. You're just like, ugh. Like that was great, but like well, I don't want to watch it again. Like I right. could watch this movie all fucking yeah. And like, and you dead. already know what happened, so why yeah. rewatch? You know, so like, why why rewatch it? But the fact that it has such rewatchability when you know the swerve, you know what's gonna happen, you know how like grotesque it can be, is just a testament to how well done this movie is from a writing and plot perspective, from an acting perspective, just pulling it all together. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. But is the ending your favorite part of the movie? Um, or do you have a favorite scene? Um, I like the ending. I mean, and I say ending, like, as soon as Kevin Spacey is in the movie which is basically like the last half an hour. That's just an unassailable. Starts, yeah, like when That's he, just an unassailable when 30 he minutes. Turns himself in. That crescendo. Detective. I want to walk into a place and get somebody's like, attention that way. Like it just yeah, it's just like full speed ahead. There's so there's so much build up in the first part of the movie to this payoff. Mm-hmm. But it's not slow moving in a way that is boring, which no. is is hard to do sometimes. Like you said, like we don't really meet the killer. Like the action's happening, but we don't really have the action happening till that last half an hour. Well, you get a little bit like so, like John Doe's place. Like when they discover John Doe's place after um, they. They do like the FBI library list stuff, um, which I also like a lot. Because I like that scene a lot. It's it, it maybe gets to be a little too actiony right after that when you know they find his place and there's like a bit of the chase. Like you could argue, like it kind of almost doesn't fit into the scope of the movie. And also, could John Doe really beat Mills in a fight? Like you know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't know. There's there's a suspension of disbelief there for me, but actually, like watching it. Like near the end of it, it was also very Hitchcockian to me. Like Fincher is doing a lot of things to still conceal John Doe from you, and he's dealing with like, you know, the size of the building and like kind of the cat and mouse of them going up and down and and through. You know, it is it, very layered, um, and just how it's shot is just very disorienting, because um, yeah. also mixed with how dark and grimy it, it all is. Um, but then you get into his place itself and like you already pretty much know that character before you meet that character because the amount of time they spend there 
showing you everything he's done and the amount of books that they also meticulously made sure to write out and living in his world for a few minutes, like, like you already feel like the doom and gloom coming of like, this guy is on a pedestal of of movie villains before you even get to meet him. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I so so I I like the end scene, um, not so much like the last scene, but the from when he turns himself in and like that that whole stretch. Um, I do like the chase scene, and I just think that some of the best scenes of the movie are like kind of underrated because like everyone talks about like those action scenes. I think that the relationship building between the detectives and um, between Gwyneth Paltrow's character, Morgan Freeman's character, the dinner scene, like when all three of them are together, when she has him come to the cafe with her and like tells him she's pregnant. That's my least favorite scene in the movie. Is it? it, it, it's, It's not... It's it's not like a bad scene. I feel like it's a little it's a little skippable. It's necessary for the end of the movie, of course. I think it's, it's necessary. It's integral to the plot. Yeah, I just it's integral to the plot. I just really like how they built everything out. But I really love the I agree dinner with you on the, scene. The dinner scene, I agree with you with. It's, I love. It's so and maybe the most important scene in the movie mm-hmm. because it's so necessary. Like. If you didn't get that 10 minutes of like, not levity is too strong of a word. It would be levity. But like, it's so great for the pacing. And and then just sitting there laughing. And the character development, yes. You're like, you've been there. You've done that. So you know now they went from being like on a three to like an eight in terms of like that friendship level. You know what I mean? Like, Like you've been there. Um, but I just, I really like it, and I'm a sucker for things like this with, like, the seven deadly sins. I think it's, uh, a very clever concept. Yeah, you're a psychopath. Yes. Yes. What are your, what are your... Favorite sins. (laughs) Huh? Rank the sins. Yeah, what are your favorite sins? No, what sins are you guilty of? Oh, definitely gluttony. Um, based on the amount of times I went back to that pizza and pasta buffet on Sunday. And the fact that I, I went to the doctor today uh, t- to begin finding out what's going on with my kidney stones that I talked about last week. And I stepped on that scale and saw the weight. And all my work for the past couple years is now totally gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so gluttony definitely. Uh, envy a little bit throughout my life. Not anything specific. But if you don't envy certain things, like what the fuck are you doing? Uh, lust, Yeah. That one's happened before. Um, What's that supposed to mean? You can't just gloss over that. Again, who hasn't lusted for for somebody or something for that matter? It doesn't have to be specific Mm -hmm. to a person. Oh, but is yours a person? Yeah, but also I lusted for other things too. Again, these aren't active ones. Gluttony is the most active one. Okay, good. Uh, Pride. Just want to make sure. Yeah, pride. Yeah, probably. Um, What? what, what Sloth. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sloth. Yeah, sloth is definitely one. Um, wrath. Wrath. I'd, wrath, I'd say, is probably... Wrath and greed are probably the two lowest for me. That's some bullshit. When, when have I been wrath? Driving in the car. That's not wrath. That's, that's anger. Wrath and anger are the same thing. Wrath, to me, is like... 
a ten. Anger's like a six. Mm-hmm. We can be angry about something. Wrath, wrath also to me, it's more vitriol and directed towards like the core of somebody. Right, right, right. Yeah. Or like you take physical action. Yes. For it, like exactly. like when you would lose at beer pong when we were in college. Un- punch holes in walls. Punch holes in the wall. I was angry at myself. I wasn't wrathed at anybody else. You were wrath yeah. at the wall. I would say in order from least. Done to most done in my life, it would be wrath. No, it would actually probably be greed. It would be greed, then wrath, then lust, then pride, mm. then envy, and then it's a tie between sloth and gluttony. <laughs> I think, I think you, yeah, but I would switch. What about uh, you, Miss Perfect? I'm not saying I'm perfect. You're sloth. You are a sloth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I relate most to the sloth. Yeah. Sin. Yeah. If it really was a, a deadly sin, <laughs> I would've been dead. <laughs> I would've never met long, you. Yeah, I would've been dead a long time yeah. ago. Uh, other other scenes that I like that we haven't discussed. Um, this movie has the greatest jump scare in my opinion in the history of film. Oh my god, that was the scariest moment of the movie. The, the first Absolutely. The first time I watched this, I down. didn't have that spoiled for me. I will So watching yeah. it, I was like, "Yo, like I, I I reacted like that stereotypical like old black woman in a movie. It's like, "No." <laughs> like I was like, "That's fucking tight." It was Also doesn't help so that good. also doesn't hurt that at the time like I think when I saw it I recognize uh, Dr. Cox as Dr. Cox and John C. McGinley. So I'm like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> just, I, I, I love that moment. That's such it, a great like, pin in the movie that just gives it another right. added little Right, he's just um, coughing and moving and it just, you're... Um, also, yeah, it, how haunting um, Leland Orser is uh, with his brief monologue about the lust Oh my God. Experience, like... There's so many little moments like that trickled throughout the movie that just make your heart just sink because even though it's a movie, they just do such a good descriptive job, whether it be visually or orally, of Mm -hmm. the horrors at hand that it just gives you this just overwhelming sense of... um, Right down to the very last line. I love how this movie ends. I know you said, like, not the very, very last scene, but you basically consider it an epilogue where, you know, Brad Pitt is whisked away to be taken care of for what's happened to him. Um, and Morgan Freeman puts the kind of the bow on it of the Hemingway quote of, you know, he, he agrees with the second part of, or the first part of that, that, you know, life might not necessarily be worthwhile to... Uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Uh, save or, or, you know, be valuable. Um, is there anything you particularly don't like about the movie? I know I already said some of the Gwyneth stuff. I mean, the Gwyneth stuff is really just that one scene, and it's it's minor. Like, I think it's... I don't know if there's another way to do that without in, in involving that specific scene, but it, it's... Of course, you have to have that for the added fucking horror of the last scene, stomach punch of her being pregnant as well. But 
Is there anything else you don't necessarily like about the movie? Yeah. I, I mean, I would say that. Um, but otherwise, I, I don't think that there's too too much else that I would, you know, detract from it. I, I liked those scenes that built those relationships and those bridges between the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I know you said you didn't like the, the diner scene, but I, I did. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say I... I still like it. I just think it's skippable. Like... This movie is a pretty good two hours and seven minutes. If you wanted to get it under two hours and it be even a little bit shorter in the tooth, I think you get rid of that scene and have a 30-second thing of, you know, her, you know, tapping her foot and waiting for a a pregnancy test or something. You know what I mean? But Yeah, but I but I but then I don't think that it would have cemented the the feelings as much. Sure, no, you're you're one of between between the the two detectives. Yeah. I think that that You're right. third person kind of brings them closer together because then it's more of a m- mentorship. It's more of he's looking out for. Well, and also in that last in that last scene when John Doe is is just fucking digging at, in, digging, digging, and digging, and digging, digging, and the last little dig about oh he didn't know after Morgan Freeman has already slapped him about right, it. right. Then like he, that yeah. just that's when Pitt is really really good is. Beforehand, when he's kind of like, what's in the box? Well, no, no, I'm sorry. So he's kind of like an Oreo cookie in that scene. Because, like, the the cookies on either end, it's him, you know, like, freaking out and saying all that bullshit. And then I also don't like when he's got the gun to Spacey's head. And Freeman's like, if you kill him, he wins. He's like, oh, God. And yeah. Like, he's, like, doing, like, the, the head oh, up and down God. thing. Uh, like, again, yeah, I'll never be in that done. situation. Uh, I don't know if that's how a person would react or not. I'm kind of eh on, but like right in the middle, like his initial reaction to her being pregnant, he just has this dead face. This just devastated. There's nothing in his eyes. His mouth's a little agape. He's just dumbstruck by what has happened to his life. That's when he's really, really good. Yeah. Um... I'd agree. All right, let's get into MVP and LVP, I think, because we're already talking about performances. Um, where do you want to start? LVP is really hard. I mean, I have somebody. I always have somebody. Yeah, I think LVP is really hard. I think they're both pretty difficult, to be quite honest with you. Well, because MVP is hard because there's... There's there's, su- there's three really strong performances. There's two. Like, I, yeah, I, I love Brad Pitt in this movie. He's not the MVP of this movie. Yeah, it, I mean, I think it's definitely Morgan Freeman... I, I, it is Morgan Freeman. It, it here's could my, be Spacey. So here's my question. So I, the, Morgan Freeman is the MVP of this movie. That's who it's going to be. If we didn't know what we know. That's it's, exactly it's, what I talked to you about in the car the other day. This one I think is the hardest one ever. But that, that this is exactly what I talked to you in the car about the other day. Like The fact that we are... Progressively finding it more and more difficult to separate the art from the artist. Yes. And where do you draw the line? Do you discount the performance in a movie like this because you know the person who's doing the performance is a piece of shit? Here's why it's impossible for me to answer it in this case is because you have somebody that is an equal or in our case what we're determining now to be better than him in the movie as a whole 
if it's the kind of thing where, like, I'm trying to give an example. Uh, uh, example. The Cosby Show. Right? Like, there's other good supporting... But Bill Cosby makes the fucking Cosby Show. So that entire show is on a whole more hampered because the bread and butter of it has that permanent stain. But if you have a movie that's... Another example now. Um, who's another person that like you can't enjoy anymore? Okay, fine. So like, let's say you're watching a, a movie and it's like Louis C.K. as the star, but the movie also has like Tom Hanks and like I don't know who. You know, you get my point. Like, they're able to mask. They're able to like dampen some of that no, other impact or no. hit to me at least because is. because but that's not that's not the question that's not it's not a counterbalance argument I, it's not a counterbalance for me argument. to get through things not, i kind of that's what i got to do not in the conversation that we're having of who's the most valuable performance in this movie you can't say yes sure Overall, there's a counterbalance of, okay, you have this piece of shit person and you have this non-piece of shit person who star in this movie or who work on this project or who wrote this book or who make this music, and you can justify the enjoyment of it from that perspective. But the conversation that I was trying to have with you the other day was, you know, at what point do you consider the art on the face of it and not consider... The life and times of the artist. I try to do it as much as possible. And I think I've done a very, very good job of it. This has this particular movie, in, in this case, I think was the most difficult I had at it. Because when you break it down for value, I think Morgan Freeman is the correct answer. Because... He's in the. He's basically in every single scene of the he's movie. He's the moving force, and he has the. Moving. He has the gravitas. He holds total command over every scene and every room he's in in this movie. Like he is the guy, and it's not just because of his position and not because of who he is. It's because of his acting ability in creating this tormented, brilliant detective. Right, where Spacey is kind of Morgan Freeman is the is is. The, the ice cream and the banana and the banana split. Kevin Spacey is the whipped cream and the cherry. Like, you can eat the sundae without those other two things. You can. It's still classified as what it is. But those two things are just going to make it that much better. That's what he does. But could that have been John Malkovich? Yeah, probably. Could that have been... I was almost like to say John Cusack. But no, it could have been John Cusack. Nah, we just found that out. No, no. No, because then there's been Paperboy. Um, but... What your Paperboys? <laughs> Are those your Paperboys? No, no. Now, why am I doing it I like a... I mean, it's like Brian Tyree Henry. I think that he gives one of the best villain performances of all time in this movie. And just adds to it so much. And he's what puts this movie over the top. But Morgan Freeman's the person that gets this movie ready to be over the top in the first place. Right, he brings it there. Yeah, so Morgan Freeman to me is the MVP of the movie. If, what I'm saying though, in my mind, in my argument, if Kevin Spacey wasn't a disgusting fucking sex pervert, I may be more inclined to be like, Oh, but like, who else can do 
the conversation in the car and some of the stuff that he's saying. Who else can like deliver those lines? But he, who else can? I, I do think there are a couple people, and I don't think there are uh, many people that could do Morgan Freeman's part. So that's why Morgan so that, Freeman is the answer. So that's the answer. So it's not... It's, but I still think there's a subconscious thing there right, with but, me about it. I, I just think that there is. And we're going to be dealing with it a lot <laughs> over the next 15, 20, 30 years when more people are more pieces of shit and, and their, their great work is just diminishing more. I mean, we got a lot of Kevin Spacey movies to still fucking watch. Absolutely. But, I mean, right. Like, it's not like he's a two-bit player. Like, yeah. he, he's a renowned yeah, he's actor. A, yeah. He's... He's a two-time Academy Award winning actor. He, right. And he, he wasn't even nominated for he, this when he probably should have. He's really but. good at what he does. It's a shame that he's a piece of shit. Oh, there's alternate endings. I wonder if they actually have the other ending on this. Oh, maybe. Movie. I don't know. We won't. Right. We never watched it. Yeah. All right. So we're naming Morgan Freeman the MVP of the movie. Kevin Spacey is a, a strong runner-up. And then I would put Pitt as third because he still does... He still does his damn thing in it. He just, like we said, has those moments where, you know, he's still figuring stuff out. Um, LVP. Who do you have for LVP? This is hard. This is hard because I couldn't just make it like the guy who was sitting in the, in the spaghetti. I couldn't just make it him. <laughs> he doesn't talk. Right, exactly, which my is favorite, why I couldn't just do my it. My favorite trivia of this movie is uh, that guy had to, like, sit in that spot or, like, be you know, positioned in a certain way for, like, so long and had, like, cockroaches, like, in orifices and stuff. So as a make good, uh, David Fincher made sure that the dummy that portrayed him in the morgue had a really big penis. That's, <laughs> like, that's, that's a great, you know, like, hey, good how, for you. How much tail do you think he got because of that? Oh, zero. <laughs> <laughs> you can't roll up to a woman and be like, hey, I was gluttony in seven. <laughs> uh, so... There's a couple great like character actors in this. I already there mentioned John are. C. McGinley. I don't think he's good. He's just a obnoxious. I mean, they're bit guy players yeah. for for a lot of. Reggie Cathy as the um, as the uh, Emmy is also. I love seeing him in anything. Um, I had R. Lee Ermy down as one of my first two nominees because initially. I didn't think he was a fit for like the understated captain, which he kind of plays. But then he kind of grew on me. He does have. I love that scene where he's just sitting in, at the desk and he answers funny. Goes, ah, "This is my desk." Oh my <laughs> god, like, that was so. Like he ends funny. up having a good rapport with each one of them and kind of grows into it. So yeah. my actual nominee is going to be Shaft himself, Richard Roundtree, as the district attorney. He's only in two scenes. One of which you just see him oh, yeah. strictly on mm-hmm. through the TV through the talking. TV talking about the district attorney that got... Yeah. He, or the defense attorney that got... He just has a very short and stilted delivery that doesn't, that doesn't... It doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything it or doesn't add anything. Yeah. And it felt like he potentially had some stuff on the cutting room floor and maybe his performance led to that. Besides that, I really don't have any. Yeah, I, I don't think Gwyneth Paltrow did anything. No, it's, yeah, I thought she was her. really good in the role. I thought she had great chemistry with the two main characters. Um, yeah, and overall, I don't think there was anyone else who was too significant. Mm, so we're going to give it to Shaft. Oh, I did like Sam the bus driver making an appearance, fuck, though. Fuck, fuck, I fucking... I wrote it down, and my phone auto-corrected it, and I wasn't sure what it meant. That's what Sam it meant. the bus driver. What a 94, 95. Fuck Morgan Freeman's 94, 95. Hawthorne James had Hawthorne himself James. 
had himself some times in 94, 95. Um, still rocking that same fucking haircut. <laughs> same haircut. How you feeling, Sam? Like I've been shot. <laughs> um, all right, so Richard Roundtree, the LVP of uh, seven. And then the MVP is Morgan Freeman, which means he's now on our, our two-time list uh, for the aforementioned Shawshank Redemption. Um, what else on seven? That's your cue to like, um, answer. I was sorry, I was typing. Um, I think we covered it. I think we covered it. I love, uh, you know, like for the MPAA ratings, they now explain why I got the rating. This is the first one I've ever heard. Grizzly afterviews of horrific and bizarre killings, and for strong language. I mean, it's not wrong. We didn't see any killings really on screen. There isn't a single kill we don't, we, we don't on see it. screen. We see the aftermath. You, you, you see from afar Brad Pitt shoot Kevin yeah, Spacey. Yeah, but you don't see the it. gluttony kill. You don't see the pride kill. You don't see the greed. You don't, you know, you, you don't, don't see, see the lust, God, thank God. Oh my gosh, I know, but you see the aftermath. Or you see what led up to it, and that's cringy enough. So, yeah, it's, it's bad enough. Yeah, so so I mean, I think it did a really good job of giving you that, getting a visceral reaction for things that they didn't even have to show you. Yeah, like it brought it to, right to that edge. Um, so I think that that was really well done. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just it's just a great great movie. Oh, well, that's. Wrap this puppy up, then score it. I mean, I, I think it's a great movie. It's super rewatchable. Um, it really set the tone for a lot that came after. Because you said this movie's what, 90... 95? Man, how long ago was that? Uh, if, if I can do math, it's uh, twenty, almost 20 years ago. Yeah, see, I can't really, I mm-hmm. couldn't do that as quickly. So, you know, this movie's almost 30 years old. You could have just said almost 30. I wanted to prove that I could. Do basic subtraction instead of you. Oh, okay, good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like, it holds up. It's it's great. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's great. I think this is a good like. It it even still looks good from like the the visual oh, effects this looks like this and could everything. Have been made last year, I gotta this, get this. Would now be a streaming show. Like each episode would oh. be another fucking kill on the Seven Deadly Sins. Oh, absolutely. And like it, it would be drawn like out. a mini series kind of thing. Like it could probably still work, but like this. This is like a perfect thing. I want to give it a seven because its name is Seven, but I'm gonna give it a ten. You're giving it a ten because I really do love this movie. And which I know is surprising to you because I know this no. isn't normally my kind of movie, but because the grotesqueness isn't portrayed, I think it's easier for me to stomach it. I just really think it's magnificently done. And I actually think I'm the one who nominated this movie. Possibly. And it's funny, when we watched it, we watched it before we went to Legoland, Friday night. And I was like, we started a little late in my game here. And you're, yeah, I love this movie. I'm, I'm going to be fine. And you were, uh, oddly enough, rarely enough. Well, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and now you're going to doubt yourself because you weren't going to give it a 10. No, I, I, I had either a 9.5 or a 10 written down. And I am just thinking. If. No. No, no I'm doing it. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm giving it a 10. 
It, it's, it is think, one I, of the, the most perfect movies of this genre. I, I think it is close to a... If I'm giving a movie a 10, I I want it to be as close to perfect as possible. The, and I think that this movie And I think it. this movie does. I was trying to think if some of the memeable, questionable pit decisions brought it down. But to my earlier point, I think it just heightens its notoriety. And I think it just it adds to the film's lore of that ending cancels out any... I feel like we like we started with it, but that ending is just... It's just perfect. Like, that, that, that five-minute stretch of that van coming down the street and Spacey just monologuing and yep. how mm-hmm. slowly and meticulously Freeman opens the box and I, 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 an underrated line is John Doe has the upper hand and he runs back to talk to him about it. Like, that is just fucking... John Pris- Doe has the upper hand, yeah. And, pristine and, writing, pristine filmmaking, and pristine then, acting. And then it's, it, it's at that point that you and the audience are like, wait a second, there are seven deadly sins. What haven't we gotten to? What are we leading up to? Well, because and they then even say, the, like, something doesn't feel right. Wrath. Like, he, he, this is his masterpiece. He, right. he, wouldn't, he turned himself in so easily. Like, Yeah, he, he's not done. Right, exactly. And then you're like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Like, we're in for for like the last two, and then it's like takes it to a level that you weren't really expecting. I've, I've said in the past, there's certain movies I'd like to go back in time and like experience with the theater for the first time. This is definitely this one is of one. Them. This is one of them. I actually. never would have seen this in theaters, but you know, no, we were eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I was not going to see this in my summer camp. But um, this is yeah. Like I just think that this movie is. Just so well done, and I appreciate what I, it does. Just, just for proof, I had nine point five and ten written down on my phone. Oh, for the I scores. believe you. I believe. And you. I was waiting to see. I always like give two scores because, like, I've done this to you before. You swayed me before. I, yeah, so you I was like, me. maybe you will have a couple things that I was unsure of, and also, I wasn't sure like how well rounded the movie was. Like, I, even if it is this perfect case study of dreary hopeless like filmmaking you know like there's it still has to do other things and we, we talked through it the music the, the both the opening and closing credits and, and how revolutionary they were and some of the small bit performances and some of the humor that they do manage to, to squeak out of it that that makes a 10 so that's our fourth 10 of the year which might be a record for us. I think that's right. Wow. Uh, Parasite, It's a Wonderful Life, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and Seven. All rated 10 for 2022. What a... Eclectic group. Eclectic group. But I can't disagree with, with, with those numbers. Either. I wouldn't either. I mean, I mean, I gave it a 10, so obviously I'm not going to disagree with it. Yeah. But, but, you know, from a outsider point of view, I'm like, oh, yeah. Those are all fantastic movies like in their genres and and i think that uh i think that we're getting the hang of this thing i think so too so it's time to pull up that random number generator and decide what our next can't pick movie will be uh this movie will not be seen until basically uh, february february 10th is when this movie will be uh watched but if you can go ahead and pull up your random number generator uh one two 
118 and do a 1 to 118. I'd appreciate that. 1 to 118? Mm-hmm. We'll determine what that movie is. Look, we got a lot of scratches off in this oh, wow. list, so we're getting, okay. we're getting there. 30. 30. What number? 30. What? This would be 33, 32, 31. How about that? How about what? How about another Fincher movie? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> let, me just, let me just make sure. Hold on. Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Oh, Brad Pitt, Fincher, together again. Yep, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button will be... And it's it's around Valentine's Day. I guess it's kind of a romantic movie in a way to watch. We'll talk about it when we get there. Seven, look a lot older. <laughs> it's all related. Still got it, baby. All Thank related. you for listening to this week's episode of Married Movies. We encourage you, as always, go, go to arcadeo.net for this podcast and the others in our network of shows. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Um, patreon.com slash arcade for bonus content also on the arcade network of shows is blank slate um, which i probably can stop promoting now because we haven't filmed another uh draft since chicken draft um facebook.com slash married movies at married w movies on twitter married movies at gmail.com let us know what you think of the show for me at your host small 38 on instagram for you at jam with your sam um, for me on Instagram, I, I may do a boxing friends coming up here very, very soon. My old, uh, Instagram unboxing show. Cause I do have some things I want to show off. I just got a, a very large order uh, of wrestling toys in. Plus I made a big boy purchase, uh, in winter Haven this past weekend, bought a Holy grail video game that I promised myself I was going to buy the next time I saw it. Walking into the store at eight 30 at night after fucking Legoland, and was like, oh, well, shit, there it is. I guess I have to buy this. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Also be on the lookout for my retro wrestling diary. But what, what do you do on Boxing Friends, though? I, this is a gimmick I don't remember or a thing. Yes. What was it? You're supposed to just do your intro for Boxing Friends. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this week's episode of uh, today. Oh, Boxing no, well, Friends. maybe the, the, the ending of Boxing Friends. You used to call and leave me voicemails about your stupid fucking thing because you would always try to do it with my friends, take my friends from me. I don't remember this at all. Good. I'll play you a voicemail. I was so after this. funny. Fuck. Yeah, you were. What See, I'm so funny, I don't even remember, remember my bits. It's, it's hard, it's a gift and a curse. Uh, <laughs> also, a gift and a curse, my retro wrestling diary. <laughs> um, this week's. Is uh 1995? In, no, 1997. What? In your house, Canadian Stampede. That's one of the greatest wrestling shows of all time. It is literally one of it's probably the loudest, hottest, sustained audience that's ever watched a wrestling show ever. Um, and it was the first time I'd ever seen this show from beginning to end. So read all about it this Friday. Uh, the, the same day this episode airs. Anything else, Samantha? You you just fucking me up all over the place. I didn't know you were 1997 already. What happened in the year you, 1996? You, no, you've been... T- like, it's July. You've been saying, you're still in 1997? I thought you were still in 1995. I I'm sorry. I think your brain has some serious issues as of late, because you're just not remembering and listening to anything I have to say. And well, I don't I, think that that's a, a brain Everything problem. I have to say and do is worth your time and attention. Or none of it. All of it. For Mullet. This is Mullet. Signing out for this week's episode of Married Movies. A catch next time on our couch. Slash the movies.
where Samantha will still be sitting here because she's a sloth. Yeah. Pretty much. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at ArcadeAudio.net.